Hey moms, welcome to the Gather Moms podcast. My name is Kate. And I'm Rebecca. We've created this space just for you because we're both moms and we get you. Yes, we believe there truly ain't no hood like the motherhood and we need to be in this together. We also believe we can't mom well without Jesus. So you're going to hear us talk about him too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gather Moms and make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, mamas, let's jump in. Hello and welcome to episode 28. <laughs> okay, no, no, I think I think it's 28. It's 28. Okay, my bad. Welcome to episode 28 of the Gather Moms podcast. We are in our season three all about the home. And guess what? We have another amazing guest on our show today. The fabulous Karen Eman is with us. And y'all, she is a New York Times bestselling author. <gasps> Say that again. I know. Bom, bom, bom. And she is a speaker with Proverbs 31 Ministries. She has written so many books. I think it's like over 15 it books. It is, yes. Like you go to Amazon and there's like all these books. And she is fantastic, you guys. We had the best conversation with her. We love her little Midwestern accent. Yes. It plays well off of our Texas Shout accents. out to Michigan. <laughs> and... You, she has so many nuggets of wisdom, and we just absolutely loved it. This is an episode that I will want to go back and, and treasure and think about. What what was that she said about that? It was that kind of conversation. Lots to take away today. We know you're going to enjoy every single second, so jump in with us as we interview Karen Eman. Hey, Karen, we are so happy to have you on today. I saw the cover of your book come in uh, through an email, and immediately I was like, ah, oh, that's us. It was the reach out, gather in cover. And gotcha. I knew I said, she is one of us. That is exactly our brand. That's exactly what we're trying to do. And we knew we had to have you with us. So we are so glad to have you on today, Karen. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great to meet you both. Karen, I have some family from Michigan, so I am noticing your little Michigan accent there and I <laughs> love it. It makes me so happy. Okay, I always crack up when people say I have a Michigan accent because I think people in the Midwest talk normal. And I think everyone else has an accent, but I think that's kind of the thinking of everybody. They always think somebody else has an accent. It reminds me of my family, so it makes it feel like home, actually. It's really nice to talk. I love it. Good. That's that's awesome. I love that. So tell us, you know, the Reach Out, Gather In is kind of how we first got connected to you. What inspired you to write that book? Well, hospitality is a topic that I have had to learn a lot about over the last couple of decades of being a married mom. And it really was something that I set out not really knowing a lot about. Yeah. I didn't even barely know how to boil water when I got married, but I married into a family full of entertainers and one owned a bed and breakfast. One did catering from her home and actually trained under Martha Stewart. And, you know, wow. I didn't know anything about this. I could like make slice and bake cookies, but that was about it. So I really set off to try to impress my new in-laws <laughs> and God taught me a huge lesson that hospitality isn't what the world calls entertaining. You know, entertaining puts the emphasis on you and seeks to impress other people. Hospitality puts the emphasis on your guests and doesn't try to impress them, but tries to refresh them and make them feel welcome. So I've learned a lot about that over the last, you know, couple of decades. And I had a lot of friends say, you should put all that information in books and include some of your recipes. And <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. And it turned out to be this 40 day challenge called reach out, gather in. And it's not just about 
opening your home, but also opening your heart wherever you are and being hospitable. I agree. I loved it. And it felt more bite-sized like you're talking about, you know, because I do think that we see other people who are Martha Stewart-esque and it feels overwhelming to think about how do I get my house just perfect so that everyone comes in. I love what you just said that you turn it on your head because it's not about you. It's about them. And that is so freeing to think about. I actually saw that as I was looking through some of your other books. I love that your focus really is on other people. How do I take what God's given me to do and make somebody else feel special? I love that about you. Great. Yeah, it's it's just a way I've learned to live because I saw my mom be like that. She was very other-centered rather than always, you know, saying, look at me, look at me. And it makes me think of, I wish I could remember exactly where I read it, but uh, quote, I guess I want to say a concept about 20 years ago really stuck with me that there are two different kinds of people in the world, people that walk into a room and say, here I am. And people that walk into a room and say, oh, there you are. And oh, that's really good. Gosh, that's really I good. I knew I who that. said it. It's not, it's not original to me, but I wish I knew who said it. It may have been Ann Landers or something. It was some write-in column in a newspaper years and years ago, but I read it and I thought, oh, I want to be a, oh, there you are kind of person. And to teach our kids that. I love that you learned this from your mom. Yeah. Our kids Mm -hmm. pick up on so much stuff that we probably don't even know. Yeah. And then later in life, they're going to refer back and go, well, my mom used to do that. Or I saw my mom do that. I love that that's a characteristic that you love and want to redo in your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone else that was influential in this hospitality concept for you was the woman who invited you over for apple cinnamon tea, right? Yes. I love that story. Can you tell our mamas about that? Sure. So I was in high school. I was, I think, 15 at the time. And my mom was a single mom doing her absolute best to raise my brother and me and doing a a great job at it for being a single parent. But I was often home alone after school. And I would go out in the front yard and toss a softball up to myself because I didn't have anybody (laughs) to throw the ball around with. My mom was working. My brother was working. And there was a, a woman who was the pastor's wife of the new pastor who just moved in across the street at this little country church on our corner out in the Midwest. And she saw me and she invited me to join the church softball team. Awesome. And it was through her that I heard again, because my mom had told me already, but you know, we don't always listen to our parents. Uh, that was through her that I heard about the gospel and about Jesus. And not only did she invite me to the softball team, she invited me into her life. I started going to church and youth group there. I would hang out at her house after school and do my homework while she was mothering her two small children. And she would always feed me leftovers and (laughs) apple cinnamon tea, herb tea. And you know what? Those leftovers tasted like a gourmet feast when I was in her presence because she so cared about me and my hopes and my dreams. And she would know when I was having a major, you know, test coming up in school and she would drop me a little note or she would, you know, call me and say she was praying for me. And she just invited me to kind of pull up a chair and and join her in life. And it was through her that I became a Christian and saw the importance of hospitality. I love that. I love that. And I especially connected with that because that's similar to my story. So I grew up with a single mama and um, my family, we, I did not grow up in a Christian home. And so when I was in elementary school, I made a little friend at school and she invited me to spend the night. And I spent the night on a Saturday night and her mom said, well, hey, we go to church on Sunday morning and I didn't have church clothes. And, you know, back then, I mean, that was in the Girl, 90s. you need a petticoat, We did. We hose. dressed up, you know, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. like today, yeah. right? Yeah. 
And um, so her mom said, you know, we're going to go to church. And I spent the night, but I didn't know anything about going to church. And they started getting dressed, and I felt, you know, I I didn't know what to wear. And so she just gave me some of Haley's clothes, and she said, you know what? These would be perfect for you. Just keep them. So nice. So then they started coming to pick me up every Sunday morning, and they brought me to church with them. And then they would take me to lunch with them after, and it became this whole experience. And I came to know Jesus at that church. And then because of that investment in me of just picking me up, making sure I felt comfortable there, they gave me my first Bible with my little Bible cover. It was like a... (laughs) Yes. You know, one of the sewn Bible covers. Mm -hmm. And because I started going to that church and feeling involved, then my dad said, well, I can take you. My parents were divorced, but my dad felt like, you know, if I wanted to go, he was willing to take me. So he would sit in the parking lot while I went into church. Oh, wow. And then after a year or so of doing that, he finally said, you know what? I guess I could go in. And finally, he started coming into church with me, and that's how he became a believer. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love stories like that. It's it's just amazing to me. And that woman who invited me into her home and into her life, she is still my mentor to this day. She's in her 70s, wow. and we still connect all the time. I go to her with, with questions and problems, and she stuck to her commitment to mentor me once I became a Christian. I love that. It's been going on for, my goodness, almost 40 years. I love but, that. Uh, that makes me sound old, but I was, no. I was like two. Yeah, yeah, of course. You were a toddler when you met her. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that it makes us feel like motherhood, it really is a tribe. Yeah. You know, we're not all on our own and your mm-hmm. sweet mama that was a single mom had to work and things to do, but it didn't mean that another mom couldn't step into those places right. and just and welcome you into her home and take over and help. My kids are going to need other influences, you know, just like I needed. And I love that it's just kind of being aware of who God is bringing into your path and then just opening the door there. It's not something that you are necessarily having to go seek out. It's just kind of paying attention to who's out, who's out throwing a softball up in the air, you know, out in your street and just opening, opening your eyes to that. Karen, that's one of the things that you uh, mentioned in your new book, uh, Make Someone's Day, is that you just, in the morning, ask the Lord to open your eyes to someone that comes across your path that day. And that's exactly what that pastor's wife did. And that's what we could all do as moms, is not just be like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but ask the Lord to open our eyes to someone in our path. Yeah. Yeah. It really makes life an adventure. And again, it, this is going to sound like a tribute podcast to my mom, but it's something that I learned from my mom, you know, being that single mom with not such a great life. I never saw her complain. Mm, I never saw her be discontent. She, one time when I was in middle school and I came home upset, I think, because I didn't get invited to the slumber party of the cool girls. I remember her processing it with me at the dining room table. She said something I've never forgot. She said, whenever you think life's not going your way, circumstances have got you down, you have to remember that there's always somebody out there who has life worse off than you. So here's what you do. You go find that person and you do something to make their day. And in a strange way, it ends up making your day as well. Because you see, we do the opposite. We have our eyes, especially in today's age of social media, on all the people who seem to have life better than us, right? It seems they have a nicer and bigger house. It seems they have a better marriage. It seems they have more well-behaved children. And I like to call it coming apart at the seams because Mm. it seems like everyone has life better than us. (laughs) That's true. We need to get our eyes off of those people and instead look for the people who surely don't have life as good as you. So I might be complaining that my kitchen's old and outdated and small and I don't like it. Well, that's because I just saw on Instagram, somebody has a brand new remodeled kitchen, right? Instead, 
if I'm going down to the local women's shelter and serving a meal to women who have fled their home mm-hmm. and now have no kitchen, yes. guess what? All of a sudden my kitchen's not so bad. Is wow. It, you know, that's just and such so good it, truth. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So it just became a way of life that I saw my mom who could have really been down and said, oh, poor me. I never saw one, oh, poor me come from her. And so I tried to learn to live that way to just, you know, every morning say, God, you know, help me to be a notice or tap me on the heart and show me that person who needs a smile or help financially or help, you know, emotionally or physically, you know, I can watch their kids forms. They can have a break, you know, just tap me on the heart and help me to respond. And it really does make life an adventure and it helps you to get your eyes off yourself. Oh gosh, I need to listen to that five or six times. And just remember, cause I think sometimes I walk away from Instagram with that sinking feeling like, oh. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I love just changing what I'm looking at and remembering that there's always someone out there that I can help. And, and what a great lesson for our kiddos, yeah. you know, just to remind them of that too. Cause obviously kids, you know, they get caught up in their own little world, but it's my job as their mom to help them look outside of their world yeah. and see somebody else out there. That's really good. Yeah. So Karen, our season, this season on Gather Moms is all about home. So we're opening up the doors of our home and talking about homes. You know, we feel like that's so important because for moms, home is often where they yield their greatest influence, right? And so we wanted to ask you a few questions about your home if you're up sure. for that. Okay. So tell us where you are. We've already established a little bit because of your accent, but where are you from? Where do you live and who lives in your home? I live in the middle of Michigan, which, you know, we always have our map with us because we can hold our hand up and point. I live right in the middle of the palm of Michigan. (laughs) And who lives in my home is my husband, who was my college sweetheart. And we've been married over 30 years. Awesome. And then our youngest son who was living in Australia till the pandemic hit, he's 23. He moved home and he's renting a room for, from us for just a little while till he can go with plan B, which is to move out West somewhere. So he lives with us. And then also his best friend, uh, Javari, who is a young man who has had some rough going in life, but who we have kind of adopted as our, our own son. And uh, he's actually my favorite of all the kids. <laughs> I love that. He causes me the least amount of trouble. I love that. But, um, he's also living with us for a while, getting his footing and his driver's license and a job and some things that he needs to get going in life. And uh, and that's my family. That is absolutely fantastic. Okay, before I move to my next question, how did you guys come up with the agreement that your son pays rent? I know. I thought that was really good, too. I was like, how do I get oh, my kids to do that one day? Oh, because I don't want my kids to grow up thinking life is just, you know, you get everything handed to you. And so when our kids turn 18, they have the choice between working full-time or going to college. And so we will allow them to live with us rent-free when they're still a teenager. So until they're 19, no rent happens. But once they turn 20, they either need to be paying us rent if they're living in our house. Now, if they're off at college, they wouldn't be paying us rent. But um, all three of our kids have done trade school instead. And so they start paying us rent. Now, what the youngest one does not know, and he won't listen to this podcast, <laughs> but the what he does not know us. is the older ones. Um, our daughter didn't stay with us very long, but our, our, we have a daughter and then two sons, but our middle child, our first son, he rented from us till he was 22 and he bought his own house. So for two years, he was paying his like $300 a month, which was pretty cheap. That's good. What, That's real good. Yeah. 
So what our youngest doesn't know is that our two oldest who bought their first houses when they were 22 and the other one was 24, we gave them all the money back as a part oh, of their down payment. Because we awesome. didn't need the money. We didn't yes. need the money. But we wanted to teach them that life's not free. And they had a lot of friends. Oh my gosh. My youngest one has complained so much. He's like, well, so-and-so doesn't pay rent. He lives with his parents and he's 24. And so-and-so doesn't. I go, well, you, you know, your last name's not so-and-so. <laughs> That's right. So I tell my and, kids all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so what we wanted to do is we wanted to teach them that, you know, you don't get to just spend your money on all fun things because all these so-and-sos, they aren't paying rent and right. they're buying all kinds of electronics and the right. latest new cell phone and blowing their money. And, you know, Uber eats every night when they could easily get up and make themselves a sandwich. You know, they're blowing their money. <laughs> Karen, and all this I love stuff. you. This is so good. <laughs> and so Gold. we wanted to take responsibility and all, you know, well, actually our youngest one did thank us when he went to Australia and was living on his own. He's like, thank you for teaching me to budget money. Thank you for, you know, um, but what he doesn't know is that he's going to get a rebate when he buys his first house. And for both kids, it was about $5,000. <gasps> That's incredible. We didn't need the money, but right. we needed to teach them. You don't just get everything handed to you. And not, I'm not like dissing on the younger generations, but a lot of people just think everything should be free. Just give me free. Just give me free. And, you know, we went on to have a hard work ethic. So, yep, he pays rent. Fantastic. That's the greatest gift you could give your kid, though. I mean, imagine that. That's just, you've taught them a lesson and they get the money back. It's like the best sale ever. Well, and what we put was rent rebate for good behavior. So they got a rent rebate. <laughs> Well, I love that. So we have um, Gather 2.0 moms. So we have moms that are launching or are empty nesters. And I think so many of them, you know, as we are heading into those seasons, that will be the gold nugget that they take away from this episode is that concept. I just, we, my husband and I just had dinner with a couple last night that are recently empty nesters. And they said their whole goal is for those children to not ever come back home. And that if they do, <laughs> they're going to pay rent, you know, because they don't want to make it easy on them. Mm -hmm. um, which is that's, just so true. That's yes. just such a different, I, I guess, you know, cause you guys are kind of pioneering that empty nester in a way that was different. I feel like when we were growing up, cause people just didn't really come back home. Right. Right. But now that's like a thing. It's a thing. It is. That's so true. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, so I love that you have a new favorite kid that lives in your home. What is your favorite spot in your home? Can I have two? Yes. I have two spots. Okay. Okay. So one of the spots is a chair that my, I gotta say this right, my husband's father's parents, so like his grandma and grandpa on his dad's side, got for their wedding in 19, I think it was 28. Wow. It's, a, it's wow. a chair in an ottoman. It's actually a lazy boy brand. It's been recovered several times through the years and passed down. My, my husband's mom and dad had it for many years. And when his mom was put in an assisted living facility about five years ago, I got it. It's covered with ivory fabric. It sits in the corner of our bedroom and I call it my prayer chair. I love to just oh, sit there in the morning that. and read my Bible. So that's my one favorite space. And, and another one that's pretty closely tied is we bought when we moved into this house two years ago that we live in now, it had a big dining area and I'd never had that before. And so we bought a mid-century dining room table and chairs, which was actually cheaper than buying new, but it's from the 1950s. Ooh. It had like the original tag on the bottom. And I just love to sit there and just imagine the different mamas who yes. sat there planning their grocery list and their menu and plan and, and such. And then it's big enough that when everybody's home, because I have two other children who are both married. So I have a total of 
well, six kids if you count Javari, which I always do. So everybody can sit around that table together. So Love I kind of have my private little favorite spot in my house where it's just me and the Lord and then my spot where it's me and all the people I love. Love that. I love that season change. We talked about on one of our last episodes that right now formal dining rooms in our homes are not really used because we've got little kids and they're messy. And so we're not, we're eating at the bar or the kitchen table. And so I love that, you know, to look forward to one day I'm going to have that table and my kids are going to come home and everybody's going to sit around the table. And that's something that I can look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So we have laughed this season. Rebecca and I both have nasty kids. You know, Karen, I'm sure your kids weren't Teenage nasty. boys. She said teenage boys. She knows oh what we're goodness. talking about. Yes, I know what you're talking about. So, okay. So then we can agree that kids are nasty. Yeah. How did you feel like, how did you open your home and make it a hospitable place for others with nasty kids? <laughs> well, at first I didn't because I felt like everything had to be perfect. And uh-huh. I was waiting for the day when everything was going to be perfect. And then I realized, goodness, the older they get, they don't get they get a little neater, but you know, now they're bigger. And so the messes kind of get bigger and they've got lots of friends that come over and make messes. And I remember specifically one day just telling myself that I was looking at it all from the wrong perspective, that I was thinking about my perspective as a host, a hostess, like all the things I thought were important. And we get a lot of these things, not to knock it, but from HGTV, right? right. We think yes. things need to be gourmet in the food department and perfect in the decor department with shiplap and all kinds of stuff. Not that I don't love me some shiplap. We just put some up in our home, (laughs) but we think everything has to be like the experts do. Otherwise we aren't going to have people over. And so I was thinking about it from the view of the hostess that wants to impress people. And I, I flipped that script in my mind and I thought, well, wait a minute, when I'm a guest in someone else's house, what's important to me? Mm. You know, if I thought, wow, I really hope there's gourmet food. When I go visit my friend and her kids today and take my kids along for a visit, I really hope there's gourmet food. I really hope her house is big and new and beautiful and, and that everything's clean and their kids are well-behaved. I, I don't care about any of those things when I'm a guest. I think, wow, I hope when I'm there, I feel wanted. And I feel right. like, you know, we have a good conversation and I feel like, you know, she's glad my kids are there because my kids can be messy too, you know? So I think if we can think more about what's important when we're a guest, it helps us stress less about being the host. Fantastic. Genius. It's genius. Because so that's true. When I go to my friend's house and I walk away, I feel full because of my conversation and the, the time I spent with that person. Not because they sat on like some fancy couch or her pillows all matched, you know? Yeah. That's so good to think about. What is What do you want when you are a guest in someone else's home? And then just make that part of your routine in your own home. Right. Put the emphasis there. That's right. Exactly. So one of the things we laugh about here at Gather is that we became illegal in 2020, right? Because of the pandemic. I don't know if you've seen the meme that says it's illegal, take it down with the gather sign because you can't actually gather social distancing. Gotcha. So, you know, we've got kind of tickled at that because that's our whole premise is get together as mobs, you know, Um, but that just because it's there's social distancing and just because there's a pandemic does not mean that we can't still gather. And we love that your book, Make Their, Make Their Day, has creative ways for us to still practice that heart of hospitality and that idea of gathering, even if it's not a bunch of people in your home. Yes, yes. So you just have to be a little creative, you know, and rather than complain that everything has to be done through a screen today. Think, how can I bless somebody through a screen today? You know, it's all just a different perspective. Well, and as moms, you know, obviously the first people we want to make their day for is our family, our kids, and maybe our spouse. What do you think are some creative ways that a mama could make her kids day? 
I think it all begins with listening. I'm not the best listener. I like to talk. My husband always teases me that, you know, that's what first attracted him to me when we were in college was how I could talk and work a room and make everybody feel included. And then on our honeymoon, he thought, when's she ever going to stop talking? <laughs> in fact, he always teases me that if he, or if I pass away before he does, he already knows what he's going to put on my tombstone. Are you ready? I'm ready. A period. <laughs> what? She's done. finally done talking. She's, She's done. done. Yeah. But anyhow, I think for our kids, it really helps to be a listener. And this is another thing I saw my mom do. I, I, I've learned to call them uh, listening for heart drops. Like when your kids are saying something without really saying it, mm. maybe you're listening between yes. the lines, you hear them say that they have a test next Thursday and they don't say, and I'm really worried about it. And I think I'm going to fail, but you can just tell because you know your child so well when they say, yeah, I have a test next Thursday in science, you know, that they're worried about it. So set an alarm on your phone that that next Thursday that you're going to, you know, leave a little special note saying, I'm praying for you. You, you know, whether you fail this test or ace it, you know, you're still special to me or something. And just learning to listen for those things and also learning to praise them for things they do that maybe the world always wouldn't praise them for. Like the world would go, yay, you got an A on your spelling test on Friday. But as a mom, don't praise them because they got an A on their spelling test on Friday. Praise them because on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, they studied for that test. Mm, yes. And they only got a C plus, but they studied every night. So you're praising them for their diligence, not for their worldly result of getting an A. So just really listening to your kids and, and trying to enter their world. That's one thing that um, was big when I was raising my kids when they were younger. And I'm still doing it with the 23-year-old who rents from us is to try to enter their world. I remember my daughter loved learning about American sign language and, and communicating with people who had a hearing impairment. And so I learned sign language because that was important wow. to her. You know, our, our oldest son was baseball freak. I learned all the stats of baseball so I could have a conversation with him. <laughs> our youngest, I don't like it, but he's very into UFC fighting. Oh, okay. I just, I think that's horrible. I'm like, they are hitting each other. They shouldn't be doing that. And of course, the first time he begged me to watch it with him, I sat down. I wanted to watch like this, but of course he made it very strategic that he picked the night that a couple of the guys who were fighting and who won were Christians. Okay. So praising the Lord and quoting Bible verses when they're done. Yes. But, you know, learning about that. And so like, you know, sometimes he'll come home from work and I'm like, hey, did you see what Conor McGregor said today? And he's like, you follow Conor McGregor? <laughs> now I'm not endorsing Conor McGregor. I don't know anything about him other than he's a great UFC fighter. Um, who's from Ireland, I think, but just entering his world so I can converse with him. It, it means so much to him. What, one day out of the blue, he came by, I was sitting, writing on my laptop in the chair out in the living room. I wanted to be out by the fire and get out of my office, change scene a little bit. And he came by and he just patted me on the head and he goes, you're such a good mom. Oh. And he goes, I don't know any of my friends whose moms would, would follow someone on UFC. That's a UFC fighter. That's cool, mom. You're cool. You oh, know what I'm thinking? No, I'm just trying to talk, talk your language, you know? And so whatever your child's interested in, learn about it. You know, enter their world. Don't always think, you know, you're trying to bring them up to the adult world. And yes, we're trying to do that as we raise our kids. But sometimes you need to just get down on their level. And, you know, for this child that loves UFC when he was younger, it was sea turtles. He was fascinated with sea turtles. So guess what? I researched sea turtles so I could teach him about them. Yeah. You know, really try to enter their world. That helps them 
to feel like you're interested in them as a person, not just as in somebody you're trying to control and get to behave a certain way, especially mm-hmm. when you're in public, but that you really are interested in what they're interested in. Gosh, that's good. I can say that's true for my parents. Like when my parents will tell me they listened to an episode of the podcast or they watched a talk that I gave or something, I'm like, you did? Yes. You know, it gives me such a boost. Listen, mm-hmm. my mom listens to our podcast because she's afraid I'm going to talk about her she- on the podcast. So she's listening to make sure what I'm saying is the truth. <laughs> Yeah. Mom and Judy will come for us if if we don't get it straight. Karen, your new book, Make Their Day, is all about how people can encourage one another. And you kind of go through different categories of the people in your home, your family, your friends. I think you called it necessary people, like the mailman, the lady that cuts your hair. I love that. And so it's great ideas for mamas if they want to encourage those outside their home and inside their home. But I think sometimes as moms, we feel left out. Because we feel like we're the last one to get encouraged because we're so busy focusing on everybody else. Do you have any advice for the mom that maybe just feels weary today? Like, I've tried so hard to encourage everybody around me, but I just kind of feel empty myself. First of all, I think we need to remember that we aren't doing it to get a certain result from the person that we are encouraging. I know I've fallen into that trap before. But we're doing it for an audience of one. You know, we're loving people and noticing them and trying to make their day and meet their needs because that's what God would want us to do. Not because then they're going to do something back for us in return, especially even our kids. I mean, there have been times I've done something. I think that was really creative what I did for that child. And they barely grunted and told me, thank you. You know, but now fast forward to where they're all in their 20s, you know, now they'll say things like, you know, that meant so much to me when you did XYZ. And I think really, because like you said, nothing back then. I was kind of upset about it. But you know, they don't, they're not always the best at at showing you their thanks. You know, and you you read in Proverbs 31 when it says her children rise and call her blessing. Uh Remember when my kids were little, I'm thinking, when does that happen? Like, you know, my four-year-old's not following me around going, oh, blessed mother. You know, it happens later (laughs) once they hang in there, mamas. Yeah, yeah. And I think too, um, not only doing it for an audience of one, but, but remembering too, to take care of yourself and not to always just be running around trying to meet everyone else's needs, but also take time for yourself. Mark 6 31 is one of my favorite verses. that says this, that Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. For many people were coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. Does that last sentence not sound like a mom? Yes. Right. People are coming and going, I don't have time to eat. I'm right. barely eating the leftover peanut butter and jelly crumb, you know, crust from my child's sandwich. But in the, in the original Greek language, when it says come away by yourselves, it means by yourself and for yourself. Wow. So we need to have that time where we, even if it's got to be, you know, just that 20 minutes during nap time when miraculously nobody's bothering you or that you, you know, step a little later at night or get up a little early morning where it's just you and Jesus and you can fill up so you can keep pouring out. It's, you've got to make that a priority. And I know it's hard when you have younger kids. I remember lots of times doing my quiet time per se at the local McDonald's when my kids were jumping in the ball pit because it was yes. the only time that they would leave me alone. Yes. So I would take my Bible and I would sit there and, and read my Bible and pray while they were busy, you know, sharing a large French fry and, and jumping in the balls. You know, you've got to make time for yourself to connect with God or you're going to get depleted. That's a great word. That's a great word. We need that reminder. We do. Karen, you are so full of wisdom and yes, I, 
I cannot wait to listen back to this episode personally yes. and think about all the things that I can take away from this. And I know that our mamas on the other side of this are listening and going, oh, me too. I'm going to listen yes. to this episode multiple times because there's so much good wisdom for us here. And we want our mamas to be able to get your books and connect with you. So tell us how they can do that. Probably the easiest way is to go to my website, KarenEman.com, and my last name is spelled E-H-M-A-N. And there I have, you know, everything about my books. I do have a lot of free stuff for people to download. There's some five-day um, email challenges that are like devotional in nature. So it might be five days to watching your words, different things like that. So they can kind of test out my writing, see if it's something that they might want to, you know, buy a book about. And then I also love to hang out at different places on social media. My favorite is Instagram and I do a lot of giveaways over there on Instagram. So yeah, so maybe I'll see them on Instagram. Okay, good. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. We know it's going to be a blessing to our moms. Thank you. you know, thanks for having me guys. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thank you too. Man, that was so good. I love talking to Karen. I feel like we could sit and talk with her and get so many nuggets of wisdom to take with us that are going to make such a big impact in the way we think about momming. I think it's just so good to hear from a mom that's farther down the road than you yeah. because they're able to help remind you of things that while you're in the middle of it, you just, it doesn't make sense. And one of the things that I love that she talked about, she had all these memories of her mom and conversations she had with her mom. From a mom's perspective, I don't think her mom was like, woke up that morning and was like, I'm going to have a monumental conversation with my kid today. Yeah. It was just something that came out of, she asked a question or she had a free minute to chat with her kid. And those are the things that Karen remembers today. Yeah. Things her mom said, ways her mom acted. It reminds me that I don't have to make the moment with my kid perfect. Like it doesn't have to be like, we're going to Disney world. <laughs> yeah. It just has to be a time where I stop what I'm doing and like lean into my kid and tell them something that's on my heart and help them work through an issue. And you never know, like 30 years later, your kid may still remember this moment with you that literally changed the way they thought about things. Yeah. No, I think that's so good. Cause I, I think sometimes I look at my kids and I'm thinking, Oh, I need to brush their hair or, mm -hmm you know, have they been brushing their teeth or I just, I look at outward things that I can yes, fix, you yes. know, are they doing this or that wrong, right or wrong? Instead of looking at them as a human being and really stopping down and listening to the things that they're saying, you know, she talked about investing in her son and you know, his activities. And I'm like, it kind of was a dagger of the heart. Cause I was like, dang, Caleb is always trying to talk to me about Minecraft. And I'm like, that's what I was thinking too. <laughs> Minecraft. I don't want to know about Minecraft. Don't make me do it. He's always wanting me to, sh to show me these worlds he built, you know, and I'm like, I take a deep breath. And I'm like, okay, buddy, you know, yes. and I really try and look and be like, oh, I like this here, but it's just, it's not super fun, but it was just kind of a reminder of, okay, be interested in what he's interested in. I thought that was a good thing. And the other huge for me was just walking away, remembering to not have the perspective of, hey, I'm here, but yay, you're here. Oh, that was like the best part. When you walk in a room, what's the first thing you think? Hey, everybody, I'm here. Right. Or looking around the room going, I'm so glad you're here. Right. Man, I love that because it just takes the pressure off. I put so much pressure on myself of what do they think of what I'm wearing? What do they think of what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And 
you know, the way to make somebody feel special is to ask questions about them, be interested in them and focus on them. And that applies to in our homes, you yes. know, that I love that she talked about thinking of it uh, from the perspective of the guest. What is going to make them feel special? Is it a spotless wood floor or is it that you give them a big hug when they walk in the door and you look in their eyes and you ask questions about their lives, you know? Yes. And for me, those concept are, concepts are so freeing and help give me the right perspective on things. I think that's a great challenge for us this week that maybe we stop and look around our home and look at the people Mm -hmm. and lean into our kids and be excited about what our kids are excited about and ask questions about the things that they're interested in. But then outside of our home to look around at some other moms and go, I want to be excited that she's here. What could I do today to make her feel seen and heard and loved? And don't minimize what you could do. Like sometimes you might think writing a note or dropping a text or um, sending a gift card for $5 for a free lot. Like that's not that big a deal. It's not going to make that big of a difference. Don't minimize the time that you spend encouraging someone else because to them, it could be the thing they needed that day to keep going. I cannot tell you how many times God has used, well, you and people like that in my life that, I mean, it was just a text. It was just a Facebook message. It was, you know, you can send $5 Starbucks gift cards to somebody, you know, on their phone or whatever. It's it, just a little something to say, hey, I love you and I'm thinking about you. So for moms listening, that is your one thing today. We hope that you would take the time right now as we wrap up this episode, you would shoot a mama a text or write her a note and put it under her mat. And, and when you pick your kids up today and you see them, that you would look into their eyes and you would say, yeah. You're here. I cannot wait. They may look back at you and go, What's wrong with you, Mom? Yeah, it's okay. You having a day? (laughs) Be like, No, I just love you. Give them a big hug. Listen to that Yeti, Mom. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. Okay, we love you, Mamas. Uh, Go out and do that one thing love on somebody today, make their day, and we will see you next time. Bye, Moms. Bye.